Hello and welcome back to another episode of the EQUK Chat Podcast. Mentally and literally, I've been calling it EQUOC Chat this entire time, but I'm going to start taking things a little bit more seriously now and call it EQUK, which is what the proper name of this whole thing actually is. There's been some really exciting things happening in the background this week and I hope that I can tell you about them soon, but just trust that things are moving in the right direction for now. This episode is going to be a little bit different, but it's one that is super close to my heart, as it's going to be a huge part of what the EQUK ethos is. It's all about diversity and inclusion, particularly in the context of LGBTQIA discourse, neurodiversity and disability. I wanted this company, when it finally lives and breathes, to be all about equality, diversity and inclusion. I want it to be a mechanism to make the equestrian world more accessible, make it feel less out of reach and elitist and if this is something that you're interested in and passionate about too you can follow EQUK on literally all social media platforms I refuse to pay Elon a penny for Twitter so you can be one of the five followers that we have over there and as well on Instagram TikTok Facebook and threads whichever one takes your fancy if you're enjoying these podcasts and there's actually more people listening to these than I thought so that's you know thank you every single person for listening please make sure that you download the episodes subscribe and give EQUK chat a rating Every little helps and the only way to drive the message forward is to grow the old social media followings. All of that self-promotion stuff gives me the actual ick, not a bit of me. I am a background kind of person. I would much rather be doing anything at all in the nitty gritty of what goes on behind the scenes than project myself out there. But right now I have to be the engine behind all of this. So you have to bear with me if none of this comes particularly naturally to me i'm doing my best with it all thank you so much to everybody who's listening and engaging and getting in touch i love how much these stories are touching people already and i can't wait to share more of them with you i love it when people come up and actually chat to me about them as well which is is so so cool when i have conversations with people like at the yard being like hey i listened to your podcast today and i'm like that's absolutely wild this episode i'm joined by dr elliot spieth who is gonna do a much better job of introducing himself than i will Elliot, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself? A general overview of everything that you are. Just a quick one then. Okay. So just a, like 20, 30 minutes with that. Perfect. Being... Great. Okay. Hi, I'm Elliot. Um, I Wait a minute. I. <laughs> You've just made me describe my job so that you don't have to. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm Elliot. I work as a senior consultant in equality, diversity and inclusion. And in my case, that means working with universities to help them make things more inclusive for their students and for their staff. Um, I've been riding on and off since I was I think like eight and I'm 36 now, so somebody else can do the maths. Although I stopped pretty much when I went to uni and only started again a few years ago. There's lots of other things about me. I am also disabled um, and autistic and ADHD. And I have three cats that I really love a lot. And I realized that I should probably say the thing that is why you actually wanted to speak to me today, which would be helpful, but not the center of my personality. Absolutely not. Of course not. That would be ridiculous. I am also trans, a trans guy. My pronouns are he, him. But until a few years ago, I identified as female and as a lesbian. And I'm also asexual. So I'm this kind of weird melting pot of queer identities. Which we love to see. And the reason that I wanted to speak to you was because I thought it would be a really interesting conversation to speak to someone who has obviously 
been around horses and been in the horse world as one experience and then has recently shifted into another. Yeah, now I am in fact a horse. And it's <laughs> so how was it growing up being around horses? Did you, what was your experience of it? Did you ride at a riding school? What was your kind of context? Yeah, I rode at a riding school, um, a riding school with like some fairly terrifying owners, to be perfectly honest. Hi. <laughs> um, it's okay, they don't know. They'll not current, be listening. No, they won't know what my current name is anyway, so it's, <laughs> It's not really an issue. Um, and it was every Saturday I would go and I would go like once I got quite good, or at least I shouldn't say that to my former riding instructor who's actually seen me ride. Once I got better than I was originally, um, my lesson was at 3 p.m. And the earlier you got there, like the more likely you were to be able to pick the horse that you wanted to ride. Mm -hmm. So I would get up there at like nine absolutely, and volunteer all day, which I probably would have done anyway, to mm -hmm. be fair. Um, and it was absolutely like my favorite part of the week. It was... Um, the only thing my parents could really threaten the only not thing allowing me to do if I was in trouble yeah um, because anything else I was just like mm, I don't care I, I mean I do hate getting in trouble but but yeah the horse riding was definitely like a huge part of my childhood yeah and I think there's something about I've been thinking about this actually in lessons as well so if I ever look distracted that could be why <laughs> uh, it really helps me like clear my head I think I was thinking about the fact that working with horses is so interesting because you have to be so tailored to the horse that you're working with mm -hmm. and it's like a really relationship between the two of you mm -hmm. and because my job is in helping people with learning and teaching yeah I'm that kind of geek that thinks about my job when I'm riding horses like I think often when we're teaching like people might think oh well you just do things this way and mm -hmm. the, the student should be able to do x y and z but if you do that on a horse you're not going to get anywhere or you might go somewhere the wrong way extremely fast so I think there's something about that interaction and that relationship building that that really helped me yeah I and, and also something about like instructions are quite explicit when you're on a horse like mm -hmm. it's like do this here's some advice like it's constant feedback mm -hmm. even if sometimes in the past that was given in quite a scary way it is still continual feedback and improving and there's something about the kinship as well with other people yeah and then when I was little I'm half American and I met like a friend I made a friend um <laughs> well who was done. in support thanks I did a good <laughs> job there um I have a PhD would you know that from um <laughs> who was into horses and made a bunch of friends there and I would go there every summer and it was the first place I felt like I really belonged yeah. I think and so there's just all of this like I was listening to the Barrett Stallion of the Cimarron soundtrack on the way over and it's just like feels so yeah like right in the feels huge like big emotional part of my childhood yeah as well for some context I'm not just a really good ally as Elliot thought when he walked into my house and for the previous <laughs> how long two years that I've two known years. you <laughs> I thought it would be a really interesting conversation to talk about the perception and representation of LGBTQIA identities within the horse world. Because as someone who grew up around horses and as a lesbian, it was definitely <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely something that I hid and kept inside because I was constantly surrounded by other women and didn't want to be seen as the creepy lesbian. Right. So we have a lot in common actually, because not because I had like I hid things from myself. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't realise I was into women until I was like twenty two and then I identified as a lesbian from then until about two years ago when I started transitioning and now I identify as question mark exclamation mark I don't know please don't make me choose mm -hmm. but I would like to take this moment to say that lesbian historically is a term that was used for all types of people that were assigned female at birth that are attracted to 
people who identify as female and like even people that would have top surgery or take testosterone or identify as he him would still be considered under the umbrella lesbian so i'm aware i've slightly gone off on a tangent but an interesting historical point nonetheless well and the thank you so much and the fact that i think quite a lot of particularly young trans masculine people find that idea really um unpleasant they're like but i'm a man and a man that likes a woman is straight and for me it's just it's not that simple because being lesbian was like a community mm-hmm. that i felt and i guess still do it represented me learning something about myself that was about defying what the world might want me to be and embracing who i truly am and like that act of courage and the kinship is not something i want to i can't just delete from my life what is your perception of LGBTQIA identities within the horse world. I feel like you can say queer if you like. It might can I say queer? I it was because you were really happy that I included the A. I know, and it's great that you included the A. It's for asexual, not ally, just for us all to know. Um, but every time you say it, it makes me want to like laugh slightly um, in an affectionate way. <laughs> I'll say queer from now on. Thanks for the permission. There was a study that I read when I was at uni doing my psychology and sociology degree and it was called dressages full of queens and I just remember reading it and it was just all about how because there's lots of gay men in the horse world that means that it's really really inclusive and representative and that wasn't really my experience it's a shame that you can't hear eye rolls on camera because I did one Mm. so wait so what was your experience um so I was can't believe you turned this around on me (laughs) who would have imagined that somebody that specializes in active teaching and learning would use the Socratic methods. Oh, I've been played at my own game. This is normally how I run the podcast. Someone else does all the talking. But you literally said, I think we've. it's relevant to me as in you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be pretty poor manners for me to be like, oh, right, it was relevant to you. That's nice. Now I'm going to go and explain my own experiences. <laughs> I guess for me, it was being surrounded by lots of other women. I was worried that I would be seen as being the predatory lesbian. Right. And I think I totally get that because that's what I worry about as being seen as this like predator man that like, but the thing that I find that I guess I'm trying to get at mm-hmm. is, and in no way to invalidate this, it's just that like, I feel like I have felt like that in a lot of situations. So yeah. I'm worrying, not worrying, despite the anxiety disorder, I am <laughs> wondering what in particular made that so intense within I mean I can imagine that it would be but I'm just curious about what made it so intense within an equestrian context I think it was because it was such a female dominated space so relevant part for me is that when I grew up I was in a lesson that was all like girls and one slightly creepy grown man oh okay unfortunate and I was just like I can't be him like I I just I can't be him and especially because I was you know when I was in lessons recently I was on Saturdays which like Saturday mornings which is when a lot of like school aged Mm -hmm. children ride and Mm -hmm. it tends to stereotypically be more girls that are riding and I was really like worried that I was going to be like invading that space or coming across as creepy and actually that's something that has been one of well okay apart from people that do not respect my life choices and Mm -hmm. who I am um that's been one of the more difficult bits Mm -hmm. of coming out in that I realized that like if I pass and whether that's the case or not doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. um at least not for the context of this conversation yeah um but if I do there's a 
whole different vibe that comes across from the things I might say, like things that I might have said mm-hmm. when I identified as female, as a lesbian, like would would be like a kind of affectionate in joke. Yeah, or someone that didn't know it could come across as really unsafe, and I I don't yeah. ever want to make people feel unsafe. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about writing in particular. So that's that was definitely like, and I guess still is to an extent. Yeah, because like, I see myself the same as I've always seen myself, like just as me. Yeah, and so it's a bit scary thinking, oh, these people might see me as I don't know something bad and scary and I mean when I came out with as a lesbian it was it was similar it, I like in the I wasn't writing at the time but with all my female friends I was like oh my god are they all going to think that I must fancy them yeah, and the, they were I all like no me don't worry and I was just like okay cool thanks <laughs> um, because we all know it was really the teachers that I fancied so. absolutely <laughs> and Julian Anderson <laughs> oh you would get along so well with my um my ex's wife <laughs> shout out to Joe. <laughs> I can totally understand everything that you've just said for sure. But I, I, I think we had a really nice little group on a Saturday morning. We had such a nice little team, I thought. Like it was a really supportive environment and it didn't really matter who you were. And we had people come into that group who'd literally maybe come for like one or two weeks and they were like instantly part of the gang, which I really like. Yeah, it was a lovely group. I mean, I was shocked when one person who I thought looked quite young was like a full adult and I was like, Oh yeah. Gosh, embarrassing. Like, cool, this is fine. But I think also she didn't think I was the age that I, I think she ages thought, don't count though in horses like apart, I, from, apart from the fact that it's all substantially physically more difficult to do these days <laughs> because if you think about it like I remember the technique for how to do yeah like various things in riding but the muscles muscles were not there no, no. oh I vaguely remember that actually because yeah. you were knackered like on like one of the first lessons I was like just go around again and you're like I can't <laughs> Yeah, I know. You're like, you know, this could really improve. And I'm like, I agree with you. And it's just a shame that we do the whole jumping course by the time that like, I'm dead. <laughs> Were you there that time that it must have been because it was jumping? Mm. That I Did I fall off? Or did I? Al- no, I think I almost fell off Trooper. You had quite a few near misses. Yeah, there was one where basically if he hadn't ducked out, if he would tried to jump the jump, I would have fallen off. Mm. And it was just as well that he saved my little, mm. my little soul. Mm. No, I liked that about the lesson too. It definitely I was really worried. The only thing that I don't like about it is because like being an adult mm-hmm. and slightly taller I mean no, average height for a woman and like a way more than I did as a child it means yeah. that like I'm most likely to be put on the like really boring tall horses <laughs> and I'm like it's bo- I, I just give me a pony like <laughs> I want something fun yeah my next question that I was going to ask you was why is representation so important in any context I mean I think the thing to think about is what does lack of representation do and mm. I think people say and they like it because it rhymes like you can't be what you can't see and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of true and mm-hmm. the way that I think I think about it is am I okay to be me am I an acceptable person am I lovable mm-hmm. am I valued is it unreasonable somehow for me to want to aspire to this or to do this thing will I belong will I be treated like an outcast and so the amount of people in loads of contexts that have been like I had no idea that that I could do x and y because I've only seen people like this do it like I mean there's some pretty terrible stuff about people having been told as students or like junior academics oh well nobody with mental health stuff going on can be a leader in academia which is of course not true Mm -hmm. but it's that kind of thing that's really pervasive and I think that like socially it is an understandable like horror in many contexts to go into a situation where you feel that you would be taking space away from others or you wouldn't belong or it might not even like occur to you that that is a possibility for Mm -hmm. you and I think that that's the thing that I think representation does which is 
makes possibilities like visible mm-hmm, definitely and I don't know if you're gonna ask this later so like be my guess say it now when I started riding again it was the first time I'd gone riding since I started identifying as a guy mm-hmm. and I was like what do I what do I wear like yeah. because I feel like things like riding and I play softball are very in a way that the way that I dress is very ungendered mm-hmm. in that I wouldn't be thinking about oh will I look good whatever it'd be mm-hmm. like putting on the clothes that I need to wear to do the thing yeah but some of those clothes do make me feel dysphoric now mm-hmm. like they make me feel like I don't see myself when I look in the mirror mm-hmm. essentially and jodhpurs are a really good example of that okay. and you can get guy jodhpurs that actually are a bit better mm-hmm. but like essentially for me it's like I'm wearing leggings and it's not the boys can't wear leggings mm-hmm. they absolutely can but for me I just don't feel like myself when I'm wearing them sure. so then I had to do this whole like oh my god like researching into what brands would fit me because if you're jumping you need knee pads and so you can't just get long jodhpurs and like that are for like typical man heights and and like uh take them up at the hem mm-hmm. hello listeners you all missed me miming <laughs> that because i couldn't think of the words um these jeans actually have, have been hemmed yeah because then the knee pad would be in exactly the wrong place so i went through this whole thing of trying to research different brands and like in the end i was like maybe breaches are the answer because they stop Mm. higher but then trying to find the size that fits me in shops like i am short but have a wider waist than fashion might expect for my height (laughs) so in the end i did crack it via a combination of trying things on and ebay and amazon and luck but Mm. just thinking what can i wear that won't make me feel awful in myself yeah was like a big deal and how did you find like the experience of trying to do the research was there anything out there that was like relevant to you oh wow that do you know what that actually hadn't i'm just thinking i'm so used to researching things for my specific contexts Mm -hmm. whatever they are because i'm so used to there not being much or anything that actually fits me like Mm -hmm. suits me i don't mean necessarily clothing Mm -hmm. that i'm just thinking i don't even remember if i specifically googled like trans guy jodhpurs Mm -hmm. breaches Mm -hmm. because i just don't think i would expect to find anything useful certainly i wouldn't expect to find it like specifically in the uk like i feel like it would be in america if no if anywhere yeah um i'm just trying to remember i think i did search and, and somehow found some stuff about how breeches are good because they're shorter i probably found like a forum of short men talking to each other <laughs> um and i hadn't realized that that was the difference between breeches and jodhpurs so that was quite useful so yeah no i really had to like put the pieces together and it took quite a lot of work and like yeah. I, i'm also adhd like it does mean that yes I can get very interested in a topic that's interesting to me but also my executive function isn't great so if I start researching something and it's quite difficult to find the answer like I might then forget about it and not go back to that for ages and each time it's still hard and I still don't know what the answer is and Mm -hmm. so I'm still not writing Mm -hmm. well I am now but in this imaginary story I just told you you know each time I stop to have to think about it I'm not it's another barrier that exists and it's a barrier that you don't necessarily anyone would ever have thought of before right like and some uh trans guys wear a packer which is like kind of mm-hmm. often silicon thing in their underpants so that they've got a bit of a bulge mm-hmm. partly because it feels um like affirmative to them i think uh, mm-hmm. some people and partly because then people are less likely to Question. look at them and be like oh i'm looking at your crotch and there's no bulge what's that about mm. a but i don't think i've tried wearing one of those to riding because i feel like something comical would go very wrong <laughs> there is a lot of potential comic 
comedy value in that. Yeah, sure. I did wear one to softball once and it almost fell out of my shorts. So <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, thanks. I bet you weren't expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that turn, but I'm here for it. Oh, wait. You know what was really hard? What? Body protectors. Oh, God, I bet. Because as a child, they're like gender neutral, but like I can't wear the ones that are for boobs because I don't have boobs anymore. Yeah. It's fine. It was my choice. I'm happy. Um, <laughs> It's great. No more boobs sweat. Delighted. But like the men ones were often way too big. Mm. So I did end up finding like a champion one. And actually, miraculously, it was like at that time in the pandemic when there were just no body protectors anywhere. And I think like the one size of this that was in stock in Harbro, the local uh, mm-hmm. shop, happened to fit me. A happy accident. I know. And it was also really cheap because like they couldn't get rid of this size. Because it didn't fit anyone. But that was really hard. And yeah. like I didn't want to be like doing jumping and stuff with a back protector. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's really interesting. Uh, and actually a couple of episodes ago, I spoke to... Um, a girl called Kaylee who does modeling and we were talking about just how many different like equestrian fashion brands there are now out there and there's 101 different fashion brands but actually there's probably a massive gap in the market having just had this conversation for trans inclusive clothing Mm, for equestrian sport so if anyone is listening that is a USP that you can use go on Dragon's Den we'll support you we will support you emotionally at least (laughs) maybe not financially just yet we're still working on that one why do you think it's so important to raise awareness of trans identities in a gender neutral in a gender equal sport I've written I think it's an interesting question because I think what you're really saying is some people seem to think that it's totally irrelevant Mm -hmm. do you agree with that yes Um, and I, I do not agree with that I think that it is nice that with this sport I don't have to have the whole like negotiation of whether I'm somehow duping somebody sure depending on what category I choose to participate in sure but the thing that I think people get confused about inclusion issues is they get really stuck on the idea that what inclusion means is treating people the same yes and like that's true if what we mean is with compassion and respect Mm -hmm. unless they've proven themselves abusive or cruel just for anyone that's having to do those mandatory equality training courses via Mm -hmm. e-learning for their work that would be direct discrimination but I think what I experience much more often in the world is indirect discrimination which is people treating people the same Mm -hmm. when that's completely inappropriate due to well in in the case of the law protected characteristics so in this case uh gender identity Mm -hmm. and something that i see a lot of in higher education is people saying oh well i can't do x inclusive thing because what is equal or fair or inclusive involves giving everyone the same thing and i'm thinking if you've got a toddler and a grown-up, do you feed them exactly the same thing mm-hmm. and then tell the grown-up to suck it up because they've been fed the same thing and that's what's there? Yeah. Like, we've got to realize that the world is not a level playing field. It has been designed for certain needs. It's mm-hmm. not that some people have more needs than others. It's that the world has been designed to mainstream certain needs. Yeah. And therefore people might look like they're being really demanding and all they're really saying is oh my goodness for once I've decided to actually speak up for the fact of like nothing suits me mm-hmm. um, and so that's the thing I think it's important to think about in relation to cross riding and s- sport mm-hmm. that's what we need to think about in relation to questionism because there are barriers that we won't necessarily have thought about yep. that people might experience. And I think if we don't acknowledge that those exist, mm-hmm. then we are missing a huge amount of what people are experiencing yeah. and missing a lot of difficulty that people are going through. Yeah. One of my big pet peeves is people thinking that somebody isn't trying hard enough mm-hmm. and being kind of annoyed that they're not trying hard enough to ride their horse well or to participate well in learning yeah. and teaching 
or or just to be nice when in fact they're trying so so hard and yeah. actually it's just that you can't see the many struggles that they're trying to face be like if you and i went out and we're out uh tv at square it's snowing mm-hmm. and i'm wearing boxers and you're wearing a ski suit mm-hmm. and i'm like it's freezing can we go inside yeah and you're like i don't I'm understand fine. the issue that's fine it feels a little bit like that and so for me it's about a trying to think creatively about what people might be experiencing and sure. be managing to be compassionate even if we don't get it at all yeah yeah and I think what you're trying to do, which is really good, is think about what some of those barriers might be so that you can find ways of helping with those or removing them, reducing them or yeah. helping people with them. I'm aware that was all quite conceptual, but I think practically... I love a conceptual conversation. Oh, so do I. They're my favorites. Um, <laughs> practically, it's it's difficult because it's partly about being like seen as who you are and accepted as who you are. Yeah. But I do think that the fact that horse riding is like stereotypically a very popular sport for young girls. Mm -hmm. There is something about like, will I still belong if I'm not that anymore? Yeah. Um, Or if I'm seen as somehow other yeah and that is going to define like who ends up like competing in that kind of sport and if we think about the fact that like we are youth are much more likely to be made homeless because Mm -hmm. of a disagreement with their parents Mm -hmm. you know it's you just don't want someone to be having to choose should I be myself or should I not because you don't want someone to be having to think well either I can be myself or I can keep like being accepted yeah. with my friends and with the thing that I love and yeah. the thing that gives me peace yeah. but I can't necessarily do both how is that ever a fair choice for anyone to have to make absolutely and that's something that I think a lot of people just won't have ever thought about if they haven't had that lived experience because unless you are queer or you have had other reasons to feel that kind of threat in your life you will never have had to think with that kind of survival instinct it's funny because like i just find it so like i believe no i i know you're right i just find it so weird to imagine what it must be like i can't even imagine and i think for me actually it's the disability side of things and the neurodivergent side of things Mm -hmm. that i am used to experiencing that more keenly with Mm -hmm. in the just the way that i need to be to not be in physical pain Mm -hmm. and to not be like acting a role for other people's sensibilities yeah it is a constant choice like it's almost like every millisecond I am deciding am I true to myself here or do I put a filter on to make sure that people are least likely to reject me Mm -hmm. or to think that I'm trying to be disrespectful Mm -hmm. Um, and the problem is that once you get used to doing that it's not like you can just stop all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's it's called masking that idea of changing who you are to try and or at least changing your behavior but whether that's also who you are is Mm -hmm. a complicated one um to to fit in better essentially and And it's like a muscle well it is and there's narratives around it that make it sound like it's a kind of manipulative thing and it's because it's talked about a lot in relation to autistic people and a lot of the more traditional research about it is that idea that we're somehow like duping everyone so that we can win prizes but really it's like actually um a student of mine and a colleague we did interviews with um autistic people about about this idea of masking and the thing that came out which i didn't wasn't particularly surprising as an autistic (laughs) person um was the fact that people pretty much everyone said oh well no i i mask because i want the other person to be okay i want to make sure that Mm -hmm. i'm providing a safe environment for them to be themselves and once you learn that like that's how you become a good person as you say that muscle is pumped 
Yeah. So it's not like you can be like, oh, good, it's safe now. Everyone said that they're fine. I'll just take that off. Yeah. Because there's always the risk. You're, you're carrying the weight at that point And you're like, I can't drop it now because I've created this space. Well, and also you've built like roots around mm. the thing you're carrying. And some yeah. of those are actually like parts of you you want to keep. Yeah. It's complicated it's because it's, it. yeah, it's, it's complicated because it's a part of you that is a part of you. I, I don't know if that makes sense. but Yeah, no, it does. It's like, it's like if a tree grows in a weird direction because of of a strange like like weather phenomenon or something mm -hmm. like and then it keeps growing like you can't cut off the bit that grew in the weird direction if that's part of the main trunk yeah because that is now the direction the tree is taken and i think the thing that's really difficult is people who aren't in that experience mm -hmm. to really accept the fact that the world is continuing to ask people without explicitly asking them to keep twisting yeah. their choices into something that works for for other people even while saying we want to be more inclusive yeah and that's i think the most painful thing when it's like of course we don't want you to have to grow in a strange direction that would be absolutely abhorrent and at the same time all acceptable people only behave like this mm -hmm. something that actually came up on the episode that i did last week was about when you're with horses you can't often hide because when you're carrying an energy within you that involves you kind of masking a part of yourself we in in the last the last episodes we spoke about it was in the context of feelings so someone who was feeling very sad or feeling very angry about something but then kind of got on their horse and then was trying to ride but also simultaneously not feeling those feelings I think there's something sort of interesting about that when you're masking you carry that into the saddle in some way because it's become an intrinsic part of you that when you actually then kind of lift that mask I don't know for me I certainly grew into myself a lot more and I actually became a, it's ridiculous but I became more confident as a rider because there wasn't a part of my brain that was being dedicated to like hiding something it's interesting because I don't think the problem is like I don't have experience of hiding things from other people mm. I just didn't accept it about myself and mm -hmm. it, it does relate to riding though like it there's a really interesting parallel because mm -hmm. for me what I was always terrified of was getting things wrong mm -hmm. and being naughty or being bad yeah. and like especially when you've got like angry people owning writing schools um, scary teacher scary teacher back in the day um not me like who tacked up x or like yeah. whatever you're just waiting to be shouted at all yeah. the time and at the as a kid i didn't have the um the experience i'm not saying other kids couldn't i just mm -hmm. personally didn't have the critical thinking ability to understand that if somebody said i'd done something wrong like okay sometimes with a horse like yeah you have but like <laughs> in life you know it usually just means oh you did something differently to what i expected yeah. or that wasn't actually what i personally like or yeah. whatever but i never understood any of that i just kept trying to be good and kept getting shouted at and yeah. just didn't understand why um, because it seemed like people were angry because they thought my intentions were bad mm. and my intentions were good which doesn't reduce negative mm -hmm. impact of course so I think actually for riding I sometimes wonder if the amount of time I spent at that riding stables caused a fair amount of the issues I experienced because it was it was just constantly I, part of my disabilities these days are about my sports massage therapist guy was telling he's called Dion he's great um, <laughs> was telling me the other day like my muscles he says muscles usually aren't connected like they're not kind of tense they're just kind of there and then when they need to do something they kind of tense up and kind of it's a bit like two hands holding each other mm -hmm. and then they let go again but he says mine are like always partly like tensed up okay and it's like they're waiting for something bad to happen and that matches with how I feel like well I'm working on it lots and lots of therapy um <laughs> how I feel psychologically in mm -hmm. that it's like waiting to get something wrong and that's what I'm like when I'm riding as well yeah 
you're always braced for impact in some way right and i mean that's good for when you fall right but um <laughs> but you can't ride like you're about to fall off well no. if you ride like you're about to fall off you will fall off right i don't think i'm gonna fall off i think i'm gonna get shouted at interesting so like apart from that rather dramatic fall i had a year ago when oh you weren't there um, not my fault <laughs> not your fault orion uh got disunited in cancer and i'd forgotten that being disunited in cancer existed i was like seems like he's on the right leg let's just continue and he like his bucks were spectacular <laughs> and i was not wearing a back protector because we weren't jumping like landed flat on my back and my bad times hamstring remains a bit of a problem bad times so yeah um but no but you're right it's not like i would ride like actually i was as a child like fearless on a horse yeah slightly less so now but still like not bad yeah um, you're always game I, that's true if exhausted <laughs> so i like i'm that person that's always like run, almost like running towards my fears yeah. to prove that they don't have control over me yep. whilst bracing and mm. that's the problem because i don't think that's particularly good riding mm. if you're constantly slightly tense yeah yeah the horse knows can't hide anything from your horse they That's always it. know they exactly. always know they can always sense it my next couple of questions i feel like we've actually sort of already touched on the questions were what barriers to engagement in equestrian sport do you think exist specifically for trans people and we've obviously touched on the clothing aspect is there anything is are there any other that you can think of i definitely think the belonging aspect that we've talked to before uh, mm. uh, talked about before as well financially i yes. think that especially if people are saving their money for gender affirming things yep. that parents might not want to pay for yep. that's really hard and i think like yeah that emotional side of worrying that you'll do something really important to you mm -hmm. if you accept something about yourself yeah definitely about not wanting to be seen as some sort of creep and i can imagine that that actually goes both ways in that like me as a guy that identifies as male mm -hmm. in a group lesson with girls yeah um but also somebody assigned male at birth mm -hmm. that identifies as female i can imagine feeling actually quite similarly about that yep and in a way it's kind of harder because that's the way that they're positioned a lot of time mm -hmm. um in like popular thoughts which is obviously entirely inaccurate mm -hmm. so i think that it's those emotional things that i tend to be like i'm the kind of person that thinks about that a lot yeah. more and um, i mean we could talk about the fact that people who are queer have a lot higher incidences of things like hypermobility mm -hmm. which is a physical barrier yeah. to horse riding yep and also more likely to be autistic or ADHD mm -hmm. which I do think actually is possibly partly why I like horse riding so much probably because horses are not humans and <laughs> less judgmental and also because it feels like it's a more straightforward interaction yeah definitely because the fact that they I mean they don't speak and I think it is just like a transmission of energy when you're communicating with a horse it is just much more straightforward because it is just sort of feelings and vibes yeah and you can love a horse and they're not gonna be like oh my god that's so lame <laughs> and also like if you change who you, not that you not that you've changed who you no, are I understand. but if you change an aspect change of how packaging. you yeah of how you present yourself to the world then the horse literally isn't going to care they're not it's it's interesting because um there's some funny things about that like agreed with you um but there's interesting stuff where like i was away at a softball tournament and we went past a dog and the dog was a bit annoyed and the guy was like don't worry he just hates men and i was like oh, i'm past now do i okay with this <laughs> random dog but yeah you are definitely right like i used to always walk my neighbor's dog and like Ethan never judged me she didn't like misunderstand me or think that there was yeah. something wrong with me being who I was yeah um so yeah I totally agree 
Yeah, I think it's something actually that I've just thought of as you were saying all of that is that I do think you tend to get more neurodivergent people within equestrian sport, work, whatever. There's just a generally a much higher grouping of that, whether that is in with like dyslexia, dyspraxia, I think like you, you just you just see a lot more of it within the industry professionally. Yeah, I'd be really interested. So my partner's doing a PhD in Tourette's and she has Tourette's mm-hmm. and um, there's some really interesting stuff. My former life is in music psychology and there's some really interesting stuff about playing music and uh-huh. how that can be really rewarding and calming system. system for people with Tourette's and one of the theories about why or at least it was last time I looked into it which was quite a while ago mm-hmm. about why that is is because the challenge can be like initiating and the timing of initiating oh no wait that's Parkinson's well anyway um <laughs> I think they do have some dopamine things in common it helps the bit of the brain that's trying to time things yes and I'm wondering if horse riding would actually be quite similar in that respect. I think it is. I think there's definitely an emotionally regulating factor yeah. that comes from being around horses. That they you, smell so nice. They do. The best <laughs> smell in the world. Um, and that regulation of your body's systems. Yeah, but also the timing. Like, I think what I'm really interested in about this because of commonality with music is mm-hmm. the fact that it's there's an external pulse there's an external beat like if a okay. horse is trotting Got yes you. you you can control that yeah. but it's not just you yeah yeah that's so true and you have to be in sync with another being exactly so interesting that's, i'm just thinking because i used to think about that about that in relation to music all the time yeah my phd was about music and anxiety disorders but i hadn't thought about it in relation to horses before no. turns out all my hobbies just clicked together do you think as well like the fact that there's another like heartbeat like Aww. is that <laughs> something as well i don't know i mean emotional contagion is a thing with humans you know like the theory is that it's mirror neurons i think that means that you know you can feel what other people are feeling do you know how that how that might work with horses i feel like that must be like it must be i feel like every horse owner will say that that's definitely a thing definitely yeah (laughs) what message would you give to any trans equestrians who are listening and i guess any potential trans equestrians Mm -hmm. that think it's not for them Mm -hmm. i don't know it feels weird to say things because it makes it sound like I've got it all sorted and like I get to speak to the masses the millions of listeners you'll have um, (laughs) all three of them four now don't worry Um, (laughs) I would say that being yourself even when you're getting messages from around you that that isn't okay is the bravest thing that Mm -hmm. you can do and that kind of bravery is exactly what we need Mm -hmm. in the equestrian world Mm -hmm. people that treat themselves and others with respect and compassion Mm -hmm. and who are authentic is it's a really beautiful thing and I really hope that I get to meet some of you out there in the world I love that that was really special I was quite stressed about saying something important, so I'm glad that went well. <laughs> and my final question is, how have horses changed your life? The thing is, right, life isn't a randomised control trial, so I don't know what my life would have been like without horses. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. That was a proper academics answer, that wasn't it? <sighs> I think it's difficult to think about because like it's something I just consider part of mm-hmm. me and if I if I tried to like be academic about it I guess if I tried to like unpick things I would probably say horses gave me a way to interact with another creature that wasn't filled with the same like terrors of interacting with peers at school yeah things like that and it gave me something that like less so these days but that I was really good at and you're still really good at that's very nice of you to say um something that I like that I felt 
like I was connecting with another creature in a way that worked well and it made me feel really important and special Mm -hmm. and like that love that you have for the horses that Mm -hmm. are special to you Mm -hmm. like it's I can feel it in my tummy um (laughs) it's so important so I think it kind of made me feel like valuable like valued important loved like Mm -hmm. I belonged Mm -hmm. Like there was something I could contribute. Um, and it also gave me a whole bunch. Like actually it made me physically a lot stronger. Yeah. My calves are still like Deal. hanging. Yeah. Um, I'll show you after. They're great. <laughs> Can't um, and sorry, don't want to be a predator. <laughs> yeah. And also just a lot of like self, self-regulation self yep. and things that you don't actually get much of an experience to do as a kid, I think otherwise. Yeah. No, definitely. And a lot of times to think about your own limits and make contextual decisions mm-hmm. based on what feels right for you. Yeah which is a skill I think we could we could all practice more I agree I think horses give you as a young person so much responsibility that otherwise you just wouldn't really get like and freedom in a way yeah like yeah yeah the freedom that you have with another creature and your horse pals is unrivaled I know that's been really cool. Thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences. I feel like I've I've learned a lot today. I've and you, I've, you say that all the time. No, I don't. I don't say that at all. What I've really enjoyed is just thinking about things from a totally different perspective that I just would never I think that I'm quite an inclusive and open minded person, but it's not until you have a conversation like this that you actually realise that you have no idea what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes or live someone else's life. I think that is exactly what I have made my career in a way, is helping yeah. people not like specifically my experience experiences no. necessarily but to realize that yeah there's there's just so many things that we can't possibly know but also to like not beat ourselves up for the fact we don't know them like yeah. and I think what you said is key there like being open is is like literally the main thing so I yeah. think the other message is to people that like have queer people in their life or like specifically trans people mm-hmm whether or not you're involved in horse stuff or not mm-hmm. I guess the message I would say to you despite not being asked for it I'm gonna give it anyway go for it yeah uh, thanks is it's okay if you don't understand or it feels weird or you don't agree yeah. and like if you're terrified about getting the pronouns wrong or the names wrong and it just all feels really overwhelming and mm-hmm. like you don't know the person anymore keep in mind that to them they probably just want the packaging to match how they feel inside think of it as a rebranding and think about the fact that I can't speak for everyone but at least for a lot of people and for me you being open to trying and showing them that you take who they are seriously and that you respect them and that Mm -hmm. they matter to you is the most important thing because literally I get my own pronouns wrong Mm -hmm. like I do impressions of the cats quite a lot and uh, they 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 get my pronouns wrong all the time (laughs) Um, and I now work on a team with somebody really delightful who has the same name I had at birth Mm -hmm. and every time they say L and I'm like what yeah um so like you don't need to worry about getting it wrong I don't think unless you're really unlucky and there's some people that are not being very compassionate around people are going to jump out and shout at you people just don't want to have to think they're going to have yet another fight to be able to be treated respectfully and people get so many messages from the media that they're like unlovable and an abomination and just to not have to be terrified about that and Mm. know that the people that matter still love you that's that's everything really yeah I couldn't have put it better myself (laughs) thank you so much it's such a pleasure are we friends now we're friends now oh great
I'm so grateful to Elliot for having that conversation with me. I think it's so important to demonstrate the intersectionality of the issues that we discussed and to demonstrate how the shared experiences of being othered in some way means that we can all find ways to feel and show compassion for each other, even if we haven't experienced those exact same circumstances for ourselves. In particular, I think the points that were raised surrounding the fear of losing the world, your friends, the sport that you find safety and security in, as a result of something that is a core part of your identity was something that I certainly really related to and I'm sure a lot of people listening will connect to as well. The point that he made too about the fact that queer youth are much more likely to be made homeless is one that is hugely relevant and whilst it's not news to me as someone who consumes a lot of queer media might be surprising to anyone listening who isn't as much a part of that world. The fact that someone has to worry about whether or not they are going to be made homeless as a result of them telling their primary caregivers something about the truth of who they are as a person is truly horrifying. It's something that I know that people around me have experienced. It's something that I've seen happen to people and it never fails to disgust me that someone can treat someone that they supposedly care for with such disdain, disrespect and disregard. Why it's relevant in the context of this conversation is obviously we know how much horses and equestrian sport give people. It's literally something that can provide people with sanity. And you have so much more to lose and so much more on the line when you have to think about that in terms of a survival instinct because you're not only giving up your home, potentially, you're giving up the right for you to be yourself but you're also potentially giving up the right to something that is literally the thing that's keeping you going to risk losing all of that you know just at the state of telling someone the truth about yourself is truly horrific and whilst you can acknowledge that you know equestrian sport is one that we're all hugely privileged and lucky to be a part of and to be part of that world it's an additional barrier that people that are in that situation have to be able to face and have to overcome. It's only when we recognise barriers like that, articulate them and spell them out do we truly realise the extent of how much more some people have to overcome to achieve within the world of in any context. And it's only when you start to think about that that you realise, you know, it's not a level playing field at all. Some people have so much more to overcome compared to others. And it's exactly what Elliot was, was saying in, in the podcast where you can't always see what people are having to overcome in order for them just to show up in the world the same way that you do and it's only when you are able to name and to acknowledge barriers that we stand a chance of being able to overcome them because until you recognize the barriers they're just always going to be they're always going to be there and they can seem insurmountable but the minute that you name them you recognize them that's the first step of you taking the power back in some way. These are some really big conceptual thoughts to leave you with today and whilst that conversation was quite meta I hope that you enjoyed thinking about it and listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it and being a part of it. Thank you so much for listening. Please give the podcast a rating, like, subscribe, follow on social media. Handles are all in the description and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.